The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Father, we are... It says in the scripture, we are the sheep of your pasture. It means we don't often know where to go to get the food we need. We get distracted easily. Uh, We follow one another or ourselves according to our own peril often. And so we look to you right now for leadership, the leadership of your spirit to lead us to a good place in our heart, soul, mind, and strength that we will honor you with our entire selves, both individually and as a church as a whole. I pray that you will challenge us in ways in our lives we need to be challenged and you encourage us for especially those who maybe come and are discouraged. Maybe some who come and then the activities of life have so clouded your view of you, it's, it's hard to even breathe. Father, we come to you and we ask for your leadership, your shepherding of our souls. Teach us your truth today and help us hold to it, believe in it, live accordingly. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> we are, are doing a standalone sermon today. We just finished the sermon series going home last week, and I'm preaching today on the holiness of hanging out. And for some of you, that sounds very shallow, because you're the type of person who's like, I just don't do small talk. Well, hopefully this helps. And then next week is Father's Day, the 16th, and Pat Steele, who has two little boys, uh, he's going to be... Preaching, and then the 23rd, we're going to start our Armor of God sermon series. So uh, we'll be eight weeks looking at at, uh, how to use the tools God's given us to live righteously. Um, So today, the holiness of hanging out. Now, I want to start by sharing a concern with you, genuine concern um, that I have in getting married and growing old. And it's, it's sort of the same thing, the same concern I have. Um, and it's not what you'd think. In getting married, there's the obvious loss of privacy. And uh, there is... Okay, and I want to say, when I announced first gathering, like, you know, I'm getting married, and was like, someone was like... It's <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how to respond to that. So I am getting married, and... and So if that alarms any of you, it's true, it's happening. Uh, It's great to Hannah. Um, You don't need need to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be big. You're all invited. Um, The loss of privacy, but also when when you say you're getting married, invariably, everyone says to you, you're going to know just how selfish you are. And, And you're like, I already know I'm very selfish. So I have no idea what's going to be revealed in me. 
But that is not the concern I bring to you today. It, also in growing old, it, it, it isn't the fact that I will probably need, and people, multiple people have told me this, they're like, you're going to need like double knee replacements not too long because all the running you do. That is not the concern I bring to you. The concern... Why are you laughing, Megan? Double knee replacements is no joke. Uh, it is... It is what I see happening um, almost across the board, but, but some are exceptions. But I know it is a challenge for all of us who get married or as we grow old, is that I see a, a greater leaning into isolation than leaning into time together. That, that oftentimes when people get married or they grow old, instead of being more involved in the lives of those around them, they become more isolated. Uh, I see this as people get married. Oftentimes I've had friends who they get married and, and they just kind of like get into this world together and then they get married. And on the other side, they're like, why is no one spending time with us? And you're like, well, because no one's heard from you in like three years. You know, you just kind of went up somewhere else. And, and then, and I think they often lend to one another that in growing old, I've seen, especially in men, um, as they get older, there's this, like, I, I, if you wanted to, you know, go grab drinks or like dinner with a friend, it's like, who do I call? You know, I, I just, oftentimes there's this growing isolation that, that you, you remove yourself from people. And that is a concern to me. It's not a concern because I'm a super extrovert. And I really want to clarify that because I think sometimes people will be like, well, it's a concern for you because but I really like my time. I like my space. I, I contrary to popular opinion, I am a super introvert, um, meaning that I, I really, I get recharged by time alone. Um, I literally, my, my last Monday, um, I was out at a cabin by myself, which is great, and I did the things I love, which means I read an entire book, I ate an entire large Hawaiian pizza, and I ran to the top of a mountain. And it was a great time by myself. Um, and that, that was like literally what I need to do to recharge. And so it's, it's not that I'm just saying, you know, uh, some of us who get recharged by people. No, we were made, we were created for life together. When I say the holiness of hanging out, and, and I use those words, um, I use the word holy in hanging out because both meaningfully and, and hanging out partly because I want you to know that it's not just like, you know, these intense like accountability sessions that, that are, are holy, but it is just, it can be time together. Holy because holiness is a character unique to God. And so the holiness of hanging out is going, we experience something in time together. We experience something in community one another time that is uniquely like God that we can't experience in isolation. We see that in God himself and in the creation of humanity and that God, triune God, perfect triune God, meaning that, that God is both unique yet sharing perfectly everything within Father, Son, Holy Spirit, distinct yet inseparable. And you're like, wow, those are like, 
different, like, right? And that, that is what it's like. It's like there's this, as, as the Father and the Son and the Spirit submit to one another and, and together are inseparable, yet share, God creates, saying, let us create men and women. Let's create them in such a way that they feel a loneliness, they feel a longing, if not connected. That, that only within community will they ever feel and experience the fullness of, of who we, God saying we, are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we've been made in this distinct way to experience holy hanging out. It's hard. How do we do it? Especially some of us who have leaned into isolation instead of leaned into community. How do we do that? So we're going we're gonna to look at the Bible um, to find out how, especially as the people of God, we're encouraged to do that, how we lean into that. So uh, in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, I want you to notice all the times it says we and us in this. And then there's kind of a twist at the end. Okay? All the time it says we and us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings us, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilt, a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And this is a twist. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Isn't it interesting? The whole thing is us, we are together. And then at the very end, he says, you. Now, the reason for that, and we'll, we'll get into what this day, approaching day is, but the reason for the you is because it is an individual decision that makes us a part of the family of God, that makes us a part of that we and that us. One thing that communism taught us among many things, is that you can't be forced to be a part of community. Right? Sometimes you read some communist stuff and you're like, oh, God, that's cool, they share stuff, you know? <laughs> but it's like, you have to share your farm, you know, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> and so all the more as <laughs> uh, that was a point I left out of the first service so we'll just see which one we end up putting online all the more as you see the day approaching so what is this day that you see approaching because you see that day approaching you make a decision that then you makes you part of this family of God that then you call these people brothers and sisters and so that day approaching in chapter 9 which is the chapter before says, otherwise, Christ would have, to ha would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. And this is simply following a note he made before, which is saying, Jesus suffered once. 
And then you can see that he didn't need to suffer many times. He just needed to suffer once for us. It says, but as, but he has appeared once and for all, the culmination of the age to do away with the sin by the sacrifice of himself. That meant that, that Jesus himself, as we see later, he's the high priest and he stands, makes intercession between us and the father. That, so in Jesus, his, his one sacrifice was this culmination of the entire age. Really, all time culminates in what Jesus did in the glory of God expressed on the Christ who gave himself for us, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And so the day that is coming is a day of judgment. And some will be judged, all will be judged, it says, according to what they've done, if they put their faith in Jesus or not. Are, are they bearing their own sin, or is Jesus bearing their sin? That's, that's what the day of judgment is. And those who have said, Jesus, I'm, I can't bear this, You're gonna, I need by faith, you need to bear my sin for me, they anticipate this day of salvation. It's a day of salvation for him that they're waiting for. And so the, the you at the end is those people who are waiting this day of salvation when, when all that we've put our faith and hope in, when we stand before God, we have confidence. And so we're going to get back to uh, uh, chapter 10, and that's literally what it's saying here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... And we have that confidence because, and I want you to notice here, it says brothers and sisters, because we are a family that is waiting together. Now, there's a, there's a, a great big unfortunate um, myth that is infecting people's faith, and that is the idea of personal or individual faith. There's nothing personal, really, about our faith. It's a family faith. And in that sense, it's personal as your family's personal. But this isn't something that is yours alone. Like In Hebrews 12, the great encouragement it gives us is that there's a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on because they've come before us and they've been faithful and now we come after them with our brothers and sisters that we're sitting. So if your idea is that I'm just doing this, oh, holding on, like you're, you're struggling, right? Like that is not the way you were intended to live. It's not this deeply personal thing that you don't share with anybody. It is something deep, for yourself, but it's something that is shared with the family of God. But, but unfortunately, we have this very isolated view to faith. And, and we, see, we see here the way it is meant to play out. You are meant to be a part of a family. Not meant to do it alone. And, and, and like a family, we are big, rowdy, and we are diverse. But you're stuck with one another. <laughs> that's what it means to be a part of the family of God big rowdy diverse family of faith and yet we're not meant to do it alone the second is we are meant to have confidence together in Jesus confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body since we have a great high priest over the house of God so we're meant to be a family. We're meant to be people who have confidence together in him, which gives us great boldness together. 
And then the last part there is 22. It's really beautiful. Listen, it says, let us draw near to God. Let us. And so oftentimes when we hear this draw near to God, we're like, I'm going to go away and I'm going to draw near to God by myself. It says, let us draw near to God together. Listen, it says, sincere, with sincere hearts and full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed pure. So there's three things it mentions here are one, sincere hearts. And then it talks about having assurance and then clean hearts or clean from this guilty conscience. And I want to talk about those words really quickly as we get into then what it means for this culture of hanging out. But sincerity is such a beautiful word, don't you think? Which sincerity simply means not pretending. Right? When you're sincere, you're just not pretending. Now, how often would we, would we talk about the church in this way? Well, the, when we think about the church of Jesus Christ, the global universal church of Jesus Christ, would we be, man, the, the characteristic that just works its way to the top is they just don't pretend. Wouldn't that be awesome if it's like, ah, they're just real? And hopefully that's the case. Hopefully we can say that. The second thing is it says having full assurance. Assurance simply meaning we're not afraid. We're not afraid because we're, we're, we're following Jesus. Right? He's gone before us. He's our great high priest. We have confidence. There's no fear and there's no shame. There's no shame because we have been cleansed. <laughs> So that, is, that should be the culture of our family. We don't pretend, we're not afraid, and we're not ashamed. And that's all made available because of Jesus. Now, what does is, what is our hanging out look like? What does hanging out look like for a people who are sincere, unashamed, fearless people? What does that look like? Well... <laughs> For, and we're going to get to some some interesting stuff because we're going to we're going to dig into the word fellowship because it just makes me shudder sometimes. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that because sometimes right when we think about the church spending time together, it's not like, yeah, I'm going to miss out on lake time with my buddies so I can hang out with the church. You know, I think we have these in, this interesting dynamic. Like, what does it look like to actually be the people of God? Who, the holiness of hanging out. What does that look like? Is it is it something that looks we can look forward to? And the answer is a resounding yes. The first thing is this: the the culture of that hangout, the culture of the people of God, is that we hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Now, what would it look like to hold swervingly to something? Like, what would it look like if you hold swervingly to your steering wheel? Right? Disaster, right? It would just be terrible. Because you'd be like, well, we're getting there. But you're like, Whoa! You know, and, and that, so instead of holding and holding unswervingly is that we are pointing each other towards the promises of Jesus. And if one of us starts swerving, the other of us, we help keep unswervingly pointed towards the promises of Jesus. When, when one of us forgets the promises, we point him towards the promises of Jesus. The hope that is ours in him. We have professed to a hope 
clear hope that we are held secure before the throne of God. When, when we stand before the throne of God someday, we will stand with assurance and clean hearts before him. And so we're pointing in that direction and we're, we're holding the wheel, right? For one another. That is what it looks like to, to be the culture of the people and the culture of our hangout is we're, we're, we're helping each other be pointed towards Jesus. The second thing is this, if we go on, it says, and let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, um, <laughs> there's a lot more pleasant words that we can use than spur, right? Uh, you know, I would like the word that we may, like, encourage one another toward. Spur, what does that make you think of? It makes you think of this, like, metal thing on the back of a boot. Right? <laughs> And so, last gathering, I was like, you know, it kind of, you know, you, you kick the horse and annoy it and, it, and and so Joe Berg came up and he's like, that's actually not what a spur is used for. It's worse. He says it's used to tickle a horse. I hate being tickled. Okay, I was so ticklish as a child, someone could look at me wrong and I'd get tickled. Someone literally could be like a foot away from me going like this, and I would get tickled. It, I, like, tickling is no joke. <laughs> so why is it saying, tickle one another towards love and good deeds? Right? <laughs> it's a very modern translation. So... What it's saying is, is that love and good deeds is, is something that we need to annoy one another towards sometimes. That there are times in our lives where, where love and good deeds aren't a part of our lives. And so we're, we are reminding one another in an annoying way, like, hey, like I've noticed that you're super selfish. <laughs> and you're just not doing good deeds anymore. Hey, I've noticed that you like are unkind and you're not loving anymore. <laughs> this is literally what it's saying. Let's consider how we do this to one another. Like, hey, like literally all your money, all your time, it's just spent on yourself. That is what it looks like to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That we're, we're people in this relationship. Is that what we do? Or are we just like, are we drowning in contentment and, and not able to actually tickle one another towards love and good deeds anymore, right? We're not, we're not able to provoke each other is another way. It said provoke one another, which also is not a great word, right? I don't like being provoked. <laughs> you know what it looks like when I get tickled now? So Zach, he's not here. I'm fully talking behind his back. <laughs> he's actually behind me, so he's kind of, I'm talking with him behind my back. But Zach is not ticklish. And he tickles. Oh my gosh, we need to compare notes. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, thank you. No. I don't know where to tickle Zach. Maybe is the more appropriate way to say it. <laughs> but he'll tickle me, and literally the only thing I can do to fight back is punch him. <laughs> and I do. Because it's, we're so far deep down this rabbit trail. But the, the, the whole thing is, guys, 
This is the culture of community. Are you loving? Are you, are you doing good deeds? And if you're not, it is, the, it is the point of the people God has put around, the family of God, to challenge you to do that. <laughs> and we need to. And then it says, not giving at meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And I think sometimes we give a meeting together because we don't like maybe being provoked, we don't like being tickled. We give a meeting together be- because it could be because we are, we're tired of hearing so much truth and not doing it. And so we're just like, I kind of am filled up. And so we stop. Whatever it is, what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that people are getting in the habit of not meeting together and it's not, it's not, he's not talking about like this holy sacred day on Sunday or what he's saying is you're just, you're removing yourself from the time with the people around you who can encourage you and provoke you. Are, are you doing that? And I, this is an interesting point he makes, especially talking about, about habits because what he's saying, what we've already shown is that it is essential to be together. And so why would we... Or how would we remove ourselves from something that is so essential? I think one way to think about it is, um, think of the people of God as the puzzle of God, okay? Are, do you have any puzzlers out there? Megan, thank you. Megan, Megan's a puzzler. I'm not a puzzler, but I occasionally puzzle with others. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a, it's a, real, it's a verb. to puzzle. And um, Nate, you're not a puzzler? I would think of you as a puzzler. Anyway, if, if you are a puzzler and you, there's nothing worse than, than not having a piece. Are you right? Are you with me? Like, it is terrible. You rip apart your home if you don't have that piece. But the thing is, we think of ourselves as being the full picture. But, but what it's saying is, if you give up meeting together, if you give up provoking one another, if you give up one another, is you are like a puzzle missing a piece. And it should be something that annoys you, something that frustrates you, something that you seek out because you cannot fully be a picture of who God is as you're meant to be if you are not in a habit of gathering with others. Gathering with others in this way of promoting, provoking one another towards love and good deeds, of, of living out the culture of the kingdom together. And then lastly, this idea of and then encourage one another. Or I think it's, it's saying enjoy one another. Now this is where I want to talk about the word fellowship. Because the word fellowship is, is a tough word for me. I, I find myself repelled by the word fellowship. And it's not that it's a bad word. For some of you, it's a great word. It's sort of like, for me, it's, it's like I, um, I had food poisoning a couple of years back, <laughs> eating meatballs, and I just can't eat meatballs anymore. And, yeah. And, uh, but in fellowship is like that. It was used so much growing up to describe habit and obligation that it, when I hear the word now, it's hard for me. And, and habit in terms of, or obligation, in that uh, people weren't, weren't coming to fulfill the great commission, the culture of the kingdom of God, to provoke one another towards love and good deeds. They were just coming together because it was the right thing to do. And I'm not saying there isn't value in that. The, the, unfortunately, what it lacked a lot of times was, was natural joy. 
There's a lot of things I love. There's a lot of things I enjoy. But oftentimes we're, we're, we feel like we need to leave those out because the holiness is found in, in this time and place called Sunday morning. Or, and, and hopefully it is. I'm not saying it, it should be here. But if it's simply, if fellowship simply means obligation to us, and the conviction is just, I should be doing that. We're totally missing out on, on what it means to be a part of the family of God. To be a part of the family of God should be a, something that is filled with joy. Joy is actually a fruit of the spirit. Right? And so then what we enjoy, we should be able to bring the best of ourselves and share that with one another. And that is a good, good thing. Oftentimes, unfortunately, because we, we leave the best of ourselves out of it, what we bring together is we start forming around just honestly things that shouldn't be at the center. We focus on, on what we are against sometimes, like we don't drink here, or, or, we, or we focus on things like, oh, we're, we're Republicans or we're Democrats. Or we're, like all these things that we start gathering around simply because we have people that have lost the center because at the center, when Jesus is at the center, Jesus is full of joy. And Jesus is wanting to bring that by his spirit into your life. Literally, you know how he describes people who are full of him? He describes them as people full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And wouldn't that be fun hanging out with someone who's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and just self-control? That would be amazing. Like, who's like, why don't you like hanging out with this person? Oh, they're just so full of patience. I, I hate it. You know, oh, they're, they're, you won't be, you can't believe they're gentle. <laughs> like, if that is the fruit of our lives and we're sharing that together, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Why is that sometimes not the culture of the church? Is because we've, we've stopped provoking one another. We've stopped spurring one another towards what is most important. And we've just been tainted, oftentimes, tainted by what is not important. Now let me tell you something that hopefully this is freeing to you. What can be important is the things God's given you as loves and joys in your life that can be sanctified. And then you can include other people in that as an act of worship that can be wholly hanging out. If it's puzzling, you can do that. If it's running, do that. And include people in that as an expression of you being the people of God who are... Right? What are our power words? We are, we are assured. Right? We aren't pretending. Because we don't need to. We are people who are not afraid. Because we're living from our identity as people who have a great high priest, Jesus. So, how do we live as we see this day approaching? We live as people who... I, I, I'm going to give you a couple steps here. Hopefully this helps. The first step is we are asking ourselves... In my life, am I sincere, sure, and clean? Is that, is that what I do? Is that who I am? Is that, and, and that's what we see of the person who's high priest is Jesus. If that is the case, how do I share this? Because what God has given you, he hasn't given you. If it's your garden that you love gardening, it's not just for you. 
Right? That can be a place where you have serenity. And, but, but share that. Find what God's given you and share it. Because if, if you simply use what's most special to you to isolate, it will always be incomplete. And that's really important. If what you use, what's most special to you is the way you isolate or what you hold to yourself, it, it will always be in some way impoverished. Because God, is, God has made you as a person with great gifts, abilities, loves to share with others and to ultimately advance his kingdom on earth. That your prayer, may your kingdom come, is like, God, may your kingdom come while I garden or whatever. And then, and then that is an act of bringing his kingdom here. Right? So, so how can I share this? And who has God put around me? Being more attentive and aware of, of who God's put around you at the Refuge Church at work, whoever it is that you are learning to share. Because we have a great, great example of this in Jesus who did not come to be served but to serve and to give his own life as a ransom for many. And so if you feel like the act of leaning into community is an act of giving yourself away, you are correct. And that might scare you. But that doesn't mean it is bad and it doesn't mean it's not good for you. Because <laughs> a lot of us, right? We're like, oh, this is going to take something from me. But yes, yes, but all that is taken from you will be filled up and made full in Jesus. Because not ultimately you who protect yourself, but it's him who protects you. And he's giving you love and abilities and talents and gifts and all these amazing things so you can experience great holy hangout sessions together. <laughs> okay? So, I'm going to leave you with a profound piece of poetry that I think sums this up well. And you'll probably recognize it. And if you don't, just ask the person next to you. This is how it goes. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day in this neighborhood. Oh, won't you be? Please, won't you be my neighbor? And I love this. You know why I love this? Because Fred Rogers, he's like... Won't you be my neighbor? He's like, please, please be my neighbor. And I, this should be the posture of the people of God. Radical neighboring, please be my neighbor. It's a beautiful day. All these things God's given us, all these things we have to share, please share this with me. Please, please be my neighbor. Who's got to put around you? How can you invite them in? Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for the gifts that you've given us. We, even for us who maybe materially are very poor, you've given us more than enough in yourself to share. Maybe it's just your peace in a world that is full of fear. Your love in a world that oftentimes seems so full of hatred, kindness in a world that sometimes seems to react with so much unkindness. God, 
I pray that you'll make us a very generous people, not afraid that if we give, we won't be filled up, but finding that in the sacrifice, the ultimate laying down of ourselves, we find in that place that we've never more related with your son.